0: Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us calls? And we've got every single line wide open.
1: That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call.
0: That is. And unfortunately, what a lot of folks do is they wait towards the end of the show to call, and, uh, you know, they kind of just give us a bum's rush. <laughs> that's <laughs> right it. There. Right about 11 o'clock, boom, you're out right of here. That's it. Bigfoot, yeah? and over. Yeah, that's it, boy. So we can't get your calls. But just in case that does happen to you, you don't think of anything you want to talk about or something occurs to you later on in the week.
1: That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered there. The website is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Easy way to remember that, South Garage Company. That's it. And there's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anytime you want and he'll get it back to you within twenty four hours. That's There's right. also three databases you can search yeah, while you're there.
0: Yeah, you got your vehicle questions, which is sort of a short direct answer to a specific question. For instance, if you go in there and you search it, type in something like differential leak or oil change or engine compression or something right. like that. It's gonna give you a quick answer. Then you have your detailed topic section, which is a whole lot more information on a specific topic. For instance, if you want to know about preventing air conditioning problems, right. there's a whole story on that, or preventing power window problems, there's a story on that, or how to select an oil filter for your car, or why you shouldn't do the extended oil changes, there's just tons of those in there.
1: Very good reference point.
0: Exactly, and of course the third one is the AGCO database, which you want to know anything about AGCO as a company, what credit cards you take, what are your hours, how much do you charge for a diagnosis, those sorts of things, that'll be in there. And between those three, you'll find just about anything you want to know on on a vehicle. On a car. <laughs> <laughs> or a truck, for that matter. There you go. Hey, pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.agcoauto.com. I think you'll have a lot of fun. And we're going our phone lines. Joe, good morning, Joe. How you doing, Lewis? Doing great, sir. I have a 2003 Camry. Okay. I changed the brake pads, the front pads, about
2: 12,000 miles ago. Yes, sir. The travel of the brake, of the pedal just doesn't seem right. It's real low. Okay i bled the brakes i started at the one furthest away from the master cylinder and worked my way around but it's still the pedal just doesn't
0: seem right
1: i would have to look that up in service data but i think there's a certain procedure yeah. on that camry Most uh, of the usually
0: don't bleed that way any longer joe
1: toyota list longest line from the master cylinder now depending on the way that line is routed It could be one up front that's the longest line. I've seen that happen before. I'm not real sure on the 03 Camry, though. There'll
0: be a bleeding procedure. Sometimes it'll go like right rear, left front, left rear, right front, and vice versa. I've seen a few of them can bleed the fronts first. Mm -hmm. So normally when you bleed, particularly if the pedal goes down after you bleed, then you might suspect you're out of sequence on it. And if you fire me off an email, I'll look that up for you and and send you the proper procedure on it. Other than that, Joe, is the pedal still equally low to where it was when the job was done?
2: Or is it getting any better? No, it just seems a lot lower than it was Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. A couple of things to check. One is make sure the rear brakes are adjusted properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does it have drum brakes on the rear? Yes. Okay. Well, what you want to do is take that wheel, you jack it up, give the wheel a spin, and it ought to make about three-quarters of a turn and then stop. Okay. That's when it's adjusted properly. If you spin it, it just sits there and spins. Those rear shoes are going to move a good bit, which is going to absorb a whole lot of pedal. That's one possibility. Now, another possibility is if the front rotors are kind of rough, not necessarily eaten up, but just rough, when you put a new pad on, it's going to be nice and flat, and it's only going to hit the high points on that rotor. So when you mash down, those high points kind of dig into that pad a little bit, and it eats up some pedal. That's another thing that will do it. Eventually, if that's the problem, the pad will wear into the rotor, and the pedal will come back. Now, the third thing is that it just ingested some air. And I've seen that happen quite a bit. I've put pads on the front and had it suck air into the back. Mm -hmm. So the air could be on the backside. But between those three things, you're almost always going to find your problem. Okay.
1: What you could do, if you have the right tools to do it with, you can actually block the four lines, the four rubber lines off and see if the pedal comes up. Right. If the brake pedal comes up high and it gets hard to push, then your problem is that at a certain wheel. Right. Go okay. one by one, take the pliers off, check the pedal again. If the pedal drops off substantially, right. when you take one of the pliers off, right. unblock the line, then that's where your problem's probably right. at. You, you probably got to air trapped there. which trap wheel air. is right. causing the problem. It gives you a, a starting point and a reference point.
2: I think it'd be simple just to bring it in. No, yeah, you, you, do can that. you can do that, too. We'll <laughs> do Let that, too. Let me ask you this, too. Yes, sir. What is the cost to change the CV joints on the front?
0: Joe, the, the labor is a little bit less than an hour and a half per side, so you gonna be somewhere around $120 per side labor. The joints themselves, they vary in price, but they're not real expensive anymore because you get the rebuilt ones, and they're probably 80 bucks per axle.
1: Are you having any noise out of them, or are the boots are just busted? Yeah, one of them.
0: The start and I can hear the noise. Okay. Yeah, clack
1: clack clack clack. Right,
0: right. Yeah, they've come down in price considerably just because there's so many people in that market now, and the quality of them's gotten a whole lot better. I actually like the rebuilt joints better than there are some new Chinese joints on the market which are trash. All they do is send a bunch of old worn-out axles and they copy them and <laughs> yeah. you know. But the rebuilt ones seem to be pretty good. We have good luck with them. We very seldom have a problem out of all them. All right, well I'm gonna set up an appointment and get the car and let you look at it. All right, Jim. All right, thank you. All right, man. Thank you, man. See all you. All there. right, bye-bye you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Bruce on line. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Good sir. morning. I've got a
3: question about a, a 2004 Hyundai Sonata. Okay. Just recently, the transaction seal went bad on uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. Leaked out some uh, transmission fluid. I had to uh, add a quart of transmission fluid. Okay. Prior to that, occasionally, especially when it was cold, when you get up in the morning start it and take off, it would slip, and I had checked the fluid before, and it wasn't low. Mm-hmm. And then next thing we see is there's a all slick down there. So Right. Okay, we had it checked. We had the seal. It was under a warranty mm-hmm. or recall. Yes, sir. We had the seal replaced, and it still slips.
0: Okay. It's still slipping. Yeah, it's not going to quit slipping. The damage is doing. It's kind of going like to drain your blood out, and you die, and I put the blood back, back, back in up. there. Yeah. It, it ain't going to fix the problem. If it's run low on fluid, it's done. If you're still under warranty, well, you need to get it back into them. Yeah, it's got the 10,000-mile Well, warranty. Yeah, you I need get, get, it get back that back him. into and, I'm sorry, 100,000 miles. Yeah, if a transmission is slipping, it's done. It's not going to heal. And oh, fill, it's uh, only going to get worse. Fixing a leak and filling up the fluid is not going to help it. It may right. go a little further. It may go until it's out of warranty before it dies, but it's done if it's slipping. If it's truly slipping, words, you're giving it gas, the tachometer's rising, and the car's it, not moving.
3: No, it doesn't do it all the time. It's just like from a... Cold start.
0: Yeah, but does it ever do that? You, know, you give it gas, the tachometer rises up, and the cart doesn't no. go. No, it hadn't done that yet. Okay, if it's not doing that, it's not slipping. You, you okay. got another problem.
3: What it does is kind of gifts. Okay, well, that's not a slip. That's
0: something like, totally uh, different. When
3: you're taking off, I mean, with a fraction of a second, it'll not move, and then it like drops in the gear
0: yeah that's different from slipping though see that's okay. like a delayed okay. engagement that could be an electronic problem i mean that can be so many different things but again the point is if you got a hundred thousand mile warranty just bring it back right don't wait because it's not going to get better
1: if but anything it's going to get worse it's going
0: to get worse right you're going to burn it up and, and it, like if you're anywhere close to your warranties in you don't want to do is, is going there with a hundred one thousand miles and say hey you need a transmission
3: right well we, uh do don't want to
0: you don't want to be 101 you know, when, when right. the transmission goes out because anything like that is not ever going to get better. Right. But that uh, sounds like a, a control circuit type problem, a bunch of solenoids and clutches, that control shifting and all that t- sort of thing. What you had was one problem, which they fixed, but they just didn't get the original problem, which is you got. What, so.
1: what you need to do is take it back over there to them yeah. and explain to them word for word exactly what the car is doing. Right. Right. And give them as much information as you can. Right,
0: because if you go and say it's slipping and they go drive and say, no, it's not, well, he's going to yeah. hand you the ticket back. So so what right. you have to do, if it does it mostly in the morning, I would bring it in the night before. And then I would be up there in the morning and say, okay, you ready to drive it? Let me and the tech go ride in it. Take him and say, okay, you see that? That's what I need fixed.
3: Okay, well, in the morning, sometimes while you're driving it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, okay. you're but, well, whenever or it or like does it that. is right. when you need to have it there. And you right. need to get in the car with the tech and show him specifically what it's doing, because okay, if you just nice. go in and give them a generality, and they look for it and say, well, it's not doing that, and give you the car back, I mean, you're not get, you not ever gonna get it fixed. Uh, don't tell them it's slipping; just tell them. To him what yeah, it's explain doing. to them what it's doing. What right. you're experiencing. Right. You're trying to diagnose the problem, and you're doing it improperly. So what you have to do is go in and say, okay, watch, and then you do it. And you say, okay, that's what I'm talking about then he can find the problem
1: because if you go in there and give them a diagnosis they're going to jump on that and just tell you hey nothing's wrong with it yeah it's not
0: doing that right and they're not going to look for another problem right they're not ever going to look for a problem under warranty okay do y'all change the
3: uh, filter transmission filters go
0: if it can be serviced on that one some of them on hyundai's have a sealed case and all you can do is drain and fill i'm not sure which model that is transmission because i just don't work on enough of them to tell you if the pan is removable and if it has a serviceable filter we can yes Okay. All right. All right, then. All, All right, right Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Mac online. Good morning, Mac.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all this Doing morning? great, sir. Good morning. Got a question for you. Sure. I'm online and I've located a 2008 Lexus up in New England. Uh-huh. Very good price on it and uh-huh. only 8,000 miles. Wow. The Carfax, though, says that there seemed to have been a Problem or a malfunction with the odometer, and it's not saying that they've turned it back or whatever, but they did say that it would be good to have either the dealer, who may lie, yeah, <laughs> or qualified mechanic, which obviously you are, look at it. But unfortunately, that car is 17, 1800, or 2000 miles away
0: from me. Mac, you. I tell you what you do if you want to verify the odometer is write to the state that it's in mm-hmm. and ask the folks in the so handle the vehicle inspections right. because mileage is recorded each time you have a vehicle inspection. Right. So, if you can get that information, and let's say the last time, or the first time they got a vehicle inspection, it had 15,000 miles on it, and the second time it had 8,000 miles on it, well, and obviously there's a problem. Exactly. But that data is recorded by the state. You just got to find the right division. Of course, that's not going to be an easy task if you ever have to deal with any state, much less an out of state state. But if you call the motor vehicle division in the state where the car is registered, they should be able to verify that information for you.
4: Is something that something easy to be done as far as rolling back the uh, odometer on a Lexus or on? on it's E-ball, not I guess.
0: easy, but if they replace the dash, the instrument panel cluster, that information is recorded on a chip in the instrument panel cluster. All if right. you take the instrument cluster out and replace it with another cluster, yeah, it's gone. Uh, and by law, you're supposed to have a statement, you're supposed to inform people, and all that kind of stuff. But I would be a little apprehensive of a car that age with that low of miles on it anyway. Right. Because a number of things could account for that. Number one is the car could have been sitting up for a long period of time for some reason, which is very, very bad. Mm -hmm. It could have been seriously wrecked and it was off the road for a period of time, which is very, very bad. Mm -hmm. I would prefer to see a car with a lot more miles, which means it's been driven. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would prefer to see a 2008 with 80,000 miles on it. I would buy that before I would buy that car. Really? Yes, sir. absolutely. Because the years are what kills a car. The miles don't really hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. And being an 08, I mean, it's pretty new anyway, you know, two right. years old, it's not a whole lot going to be wrong with it, particularly a Lexus. I would prefer to see a car with higher mileage because right. you know it's been driven. Let's just say a little old lady had it, she's never drove it. Again, that's that is the worst possible operating conditions. Really? Oil tends to clog up. I mean, shocks sit in one position and the you know, the rings eat into the cylinder boards. I mean, it's just really a horrible, horrible way to do a car. You're way better off with a higher mileage car. Find a salesman. He's got well, a two, an 08 with 100,000 miles. Car's like brand new. Hmm. So you, that's a misnomer about the low mileage stuff. The miles don't hurt the car. The years hurt the car. Right. Hey, thanks
4: for the great tips. Okay, so man. Much. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. And we're going to have to take a quick little break. Steven and Martin, hang on. You guys be straight up after the break. If you
3: ever plan to motor west,
5: travel my way, take and that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me. Alphonse, the know-it-all Cajun. Hey. Call her what you want to know.
4: Alphonse. My car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right?
5: Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time.
4: Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart?
5: Well, let's just say, I uh, know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Welcome back. If you just joined us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call. And we've got Martin's been patiently holding. Good morning, Martin. Yes, good morning.
4: How are good you morning. doing? Good morning. Doing great, sir. I have a 2005 Nissan Frontier, which okay. I'm currently in. Uh-huh. The anti-lock brake sensor has come on. Okay. Now, sometimes the brakes feel a little spongy. Mm-hmm. They seem to make noise, but as of late, it's just runs fine and the brakes
0: seem to be operating okay. Yes sir. Martin, anti lock brakes probably are one of the most confusing systems on the car as far as most drivers. What you gotta remember is I know it says brakes, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the brakes. Oh okay. If that makes any sense to you. The anti lock brake system is strictly an electrical system and it monitors the brakes and if a wheel starts to lock up, what it does is it releases the pressure on that wheel so it won't lock up, which helps you to control the vehicle in a panic stop. Okay. So I know it says brakes, but it really does not have anything to do with the brakes. You have a full total braking system, and your regular brakes have a red light that'll warn you if there's a problem there. So okay. I kind of wish they would change from anti-lock brakes to any anti-skid control or something like that, a different term because it confuses the devil out of people. Sure. I had people coming all the time and say, man, my ABS light's on. I just had my brakes redone not long ago, and then they're all worried about the brakes. So, you got a full braking system, and then you got the anti lock braking system, which is an electrical system that monitors it. Now, to get to the question, when that light comes on, what happens is it's got a computer that monitors that system. Since it doesn't work very often, because it only works when you got a wheel locked up, which is maybe once every two years, this computer goes out and it tests each component on that system to make sure it is operating. Okay. And when it runs a test and it fails that test, then it's gonna turn that light on and say, hey, there's a problem here. Yes. And it could be something as simple as just a wire that's loose or a connection that's bad. It right. could be like a wheel speed sensor that's quit reading properly. Now, or it could be speed, major. You know, it could be a wheel
4: wheel speed sensor, please the, the, A wheel
0: speed of... sensor is just a little sensor at each wheel and it reads how fast the wheel's turning, and that's how it knows which wheel is locked up. Because if all four wheels are, if three of the wheels are turning 35 miles an hour and one's turning 10 miles an hour, it knows that wheel's locked up. So what it will do is it will release the pressure to that wheel, allow it to speed back up to the same speed as the other three, and then it can do it 20 times a second. But that's how it operates. It constantly monitors the speeds of the wheels. And if it loses that signal, and sensors are one of the most prone parts because they're out at the wheel, so they just catch the most abuse. But there's a hydraulic unit, there's a computer, there's all sorts of other little switches and gizmos. Any one of those can cause that light to come on. So you just have to bring it in, get it checked. It'll have a code in the memory, just sort of like you check engine light, almost the same type of deal. You read the code, that'll tell you which area is causing the problem, and then you just go to that area and find out whether it's a bad wire or a bad sensor or a bad computer or what's actually wrong.
4: I looked up your address. I see you on Corset, but that's are Corset near
0: what? Corset in Sherwood Commons, one block west of Sherwood Forest Boulevard.
4: Okay, good. I know what it is. Thank, okay. you, thank
0: you so very much. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you are going to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Stephen online. Good morning, Stephen.
4: Hi. Good morning. Thank good morning. you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I've got a 2002 Chevrolet Silverado, uh-huh. had it all this time, got 112,000 miles on okay. it, been through the service tech. What i got a problem with is the distributor and the rotor and cap.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it a uh, six-cylinder model, Stephen? Yeah, Yeah, those had a, were actually under recall at one right. time for, for that distributor, getting that green slime of death in them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. what you have to do, you have to actually reroute the air conditioning line because it runs right over the top. See, yeah. I got the same exact truck. I got an O2. Well, yeah, because
4: they put the foam on it. You they know, did. The right. That didn't work. They well, put a new distributor in it, mm-hmm. and now, like I say, I'm, I'm having to replace that cap and rotor about every 40, 30 or 40, well, every four months about. Four wow, months.
0: yeah. Jeez that you got a problem check and it runs, see it
4: runs fine until it slimes uh, up humidity. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah i take it back and see if, it, if that recall is still active if it is active they may be willing to change that distributor out again they may have gotten a defective one other than that i can't think of any reason why it would continue to do it. i know mine did it one time i put the new distributor in i hadn't had trouble since yeah
4: well that's what they did with mine they put the new distributor in put the, in the foam on the, on the on hose for years
0: yeah yeah but, probably uh, something's well, wrong
4: Will they reroute that air conditioner line for me, too? or? Well, if they put I mean, the foam cool.
0: on it, that should cure the problem. You, I mean,
4: now really it even happens when it rains. Wow. So Anytime there's high humidity, and I, I've checked the wires. I re- redid the wires, uh-huh. just checking that cold wire, all the plug wires, made sure we had good seal, everything. Yeah. would not
1: there something about a filter or a screen in the bottom well, of it? Well, there's a little
0: filter there or a screen there's. in the bottom of the distributor, but I would make sure, Something's number one, that on it there. is the distributor causing that because see, you could have something causing the same exact symptoms as the distributor like yeah. maybe a, a crank sensor or something that's also bad uh-huh. and just assuming that it's the distributor because if they fixed it once I have not heard of a lot of repeat problems once it's changed now the other side is they just got a bad distributor
4: yeah you know and that's well, possible
0: as well we did have something
4: often that it, it gets better once it once it warms up yeah but see if it was a crank sensor up.
0: it would do the same thing Oh, so okay. we're, we're assuming that it's a distributor, and we don't know that for sure. Yeah. You know, we're just going by, the, by how it feels.
1: Are you getting yeah. any, are you getting any you, check engine lights?
0: No. Yeah. No check no. engine lights? What you'd have to have would be a digital lab scope right. on the vehicle when it occurs, uh-huh. and you could look at the signal in the form of a square wave, and you can see what that signal's doing, and determine for sure it is a distributor problem. Now, if it is a distributor problem, I would press that it still should be under recall because the problem hasn't been resolved.
4: That's exactly what I'm pressing for. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'll have to do is wait till it's raining. and. Uh, that's what you overnight. need to do. Right.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so hey, bring it in while it's occurring.
4: Yeah, and it won't be a problem. If it's just not overnight and it's raining, I can guarantee you they will
0: find the problem. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, get it over to a while it's occurring and let them scope it out. And I wouldn't tell them necessarily that it is a distributor because we don't know that for certain. Because, like I said, there are things that can feel exactly like that. Mm-hmm. it could just be a coincidence another part has gone bad and it just feels like that and i had a guy that had a similar problem and he kept changing the part changing the part changing the part and he said right. well, it's not fixing it. well you're not you're not changing the right part then <laughs> right and kind could have found out it, it was something else that just felt like that you know we yeah, changed the other part and fixed it fixed it that rotary cap mhm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because every time you change the rotor and cap, you, you also, a lot of time goes by and it may start running good, but it may just be if you just sat there and waited, it might start running good. You're also yeah, you're disturbing a lot of stuff around, too, might, when you're might moving, working. might be moving the crank wire around when you change right. the cap and rotor, see, so. Yeah,
4: and I drive about an hour to work, so about uh, 15, 20 minutes in,
0: mm-hmm. no more miss. Yeah, I would just be sure that that is what the problem is. If that's what the problem is, I'd want to change that distributor out again, and if not, just go ahead and diagnose what the – actual thing is but it's, it's kind of dangerous to assume that that's what it is even though it feels yeah. exactly the same
4: Yeah, it does it feels exactly yeah, the cause, same as it did three or four years ago yeah see
0: if it loses a crank signal it's going to do the same exact thing because to also lose a spark Because a crank signal what makes a spark
4: i got you all right well, all right okay, okay man
0: thank you all right if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you and going back to the lines we got Cy si online good morning Cy. Si.
3: hey good morning how are you
0: doing great sir good morning
3: Hey, listen. Uh, my question is: uh, I got a two thousand one Chevy Tahoe, uh-huh. and it have about one hundred and thirty five thousand miles on yes, it. Sir. And I guess my question is: When I go to start it, mm-hmm. it turns over and it won't start. And I'll wait for a second, and I'll try to start it again, and it will start. Okay. And sometimes it does it on the second try, and yes, sometimes it might take two or three tries. Yes,
0: sir. How often does this occur? So, is it every single time, or just occasionally?
3: almost every other
0: time. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to give you two or three things to check on it. It's going to be a fuel problem. Okay? The most common thing that we've seen, there is a fuel pressure regulator up somewhere on the fuel rail. And what the fuel pressure regulator is, the fuel pump produces more fuel than the engine needs to run. And when you accelerate, the engine vacuum drops, so it boosts the fuel pressure up for the additional load. Now that's all well and good, but if the fuel pressure regulator diaphragm Ruptures, which they do from time to time, mm-hmm. it will bleed the fuel back to the fuel tank when the vehicle sits. It will also bleed additional gas into the fuel rail, which will basically flood the engine and not have fuel ready to start. So it's going to make it have to crank over several times before it starts.
1: If the diaphragm busts, it'll also pull it into the vacuum system.
0: Correct, and flood the engine. Right. Now, you can check that by locating the regulator wherever it's at on the rail. It's on
1: the left-hand side of the driver's side of the rail, Mm -hmm. about midway back. It's a little gold or silver disc-looking Thing Job with, a vacuum, with a vacuum line on top of and it. And
0: if you pull that vacuum line off and kind of tap on it, if any gas drips out, it's bad. Change it. Now, if that's not it, then the second thing is the fuel pump itself can be starting to bleed back because it has to have fuel available at the fuel rail in order to start. There's a check valve in the pump, and if that check valve leaks down, what will happen when you turn it off, the gas will run back to the tank. When you cycle the ignition, it's going to run the pump for about two seconds which pushes the gas most of the way up if you turn it off and cycle it again it's going to push it up the rest of the way then it'll go ahead and start but that's why you have to cycle a key a couple of times but one of those two things is going to be your problem and like i say if you check that regulator if that's not it put a fuel pressure gauge on it and if that fuel pressure drops immediately when you turn the key off then that's more likely
1: 135,000 miles it's about due for a pump yeah it's you're right about time right
0: do you guys do that Absolutely. oh yes sir yes sir are y'all open now uh, no, no. Sure. no. <laughs> now, unfortunately, we're not open on weekends. We're booked one hundred percent solid for next week, and we close the week after that for vacation. So, okay, if you can okay. wait two weeks, I'd be more than happy to do it for you. But that's that's about the best I can do on it. All right, sounds good.
3: Thank Thanks you, si. For your time, I appreciate it. Guys. Yes, sir.
0: Thank you. Bye, bye. All right, bye. All right, we're gonna take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more.
5: And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me. Alphonse, the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Call her what you want to know.
0: Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car?
5: So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you 30000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about 2500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about 1200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh?
0: Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car.
5: Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer.
0: Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips?
5: Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. com. Agco,
3: it's the place to go.
0: Back. If you just join us, as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we have got Clark has been patiently holding. Good morning, Clark. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I've got a little bit of a problem here, and I've sure. kind of gone through a couple different fixes that still okay. have fix the
2: problem. All right. When I'm sitting at idle in my uh, Ford, mm-hmm. like at a stoplight or something like that, it'll kind of chug, and if I sit for too long, it'll die. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll replace the fuel filter. Did that. Then I replaced the fuel pump, which I found out was a very nice, involved process. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm -hmm. And not going to fix that problem.
2: (laughs) Right. So I switched that out. Probably needed it anyway. But uh, it still does a problem. Mm -hmm. And my guess next is it might be a vacuum leak.
0: Well, that's a possibility, Clark. And unfortunately, and I don't mean to scold you, but you're going about it the most expensive possible way you can go. And that is, well, maybe it's this. let's try that. Maybe it's this. let's try that. Because one real simple test really inexpensive test could have eliminated both of your guesses before Mm -hmm. because we could have done a fuel pressure test which would have taken maybe 10 minutes and told you hey it's not fuel pump it's not fuel filter
2: Mm -hmm.
0: most likely candidate on that is either going to be a vacuum leak or what they call the idle control servo is hanging up both of those are real common on those engines the vacuum leak is pretty easy to find a couple of ways a shop could find one is you can attach a scan tool and look at the fuel trim and mm-hmm. If the engine's adding 20, 30% additional fuel, then you know for sure you got a vacuum leak. Then it's just a matter of smoke testing the intake and seeing where the leak is at. If the idle control servo is the fault, well, what you can do is you can look at the actual idle and look at what the computer's commanding. Like what, if it's, say, idling at only 500 RPM or something like that. Correct, and, and the computer's different. commanding 650, then right. you know the servo is bad. If you just want to try to throw a part at it and... Maybe fix it yourself. The idle servo is probably the cheapest thing. Right. Take, and and well, easy to fix. I haven't
2: spent a whole lot on it because I did both of those jobs myself. My dad is a mechanic. And yeah, but you're probably, still and, out,
0: you're probably still out three or 400 bucks on parts. Oh, no, no. Actually, a full,
2: the fuel filter was 10 bucks, and the fuel pump was only $66.
0: Well, you are hmm. in big trouble now because you put aftermarket parts on it. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you still have your original parts? Yes. Hold on, on to those.
1: What you might try to do is get it in the driveway and get it to act up and take the handle of a screwdriver and right. tap on that tap idle on that air motor. Idle motor. And if the idle comes up, then you know you found a problem. Right. Because right. uh, okay. they'll, they'll then, hang up and a little tap on them right. will set them straight a long again. A lot of times
0: it'll start idling again. If it does right. that, that idle servo is a piece of cake to yeah. change. I mean, it's right on top. Two bolts. Two Just bolts. make sure
1: you put the gasket back in it and an mm-hmm. electrical and connection.
0: right near where the uh, fuel line goes
2: into... That's
1: gonna no,
0: it'll be up on the top of the motor somewhere. Somewhere around
1: where the throttle body is.
0: Right, it's a little okay. silver thing with a one single plug in on it and like a little round cap on top of it. Oh, okay. That's not
2: too hard. Yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm.
0: simple. Now, vacuum leak.
1: The a little most, more involved.
0: Two most common places we find vacuum leaks on there. One is the PCV vacuum harness. It's a big plastic mm-hmm. tube harness. It's got a bunch of little rubber fittings. Those rubber fittings tend to collapse and and start leaking. So you might look at all those real good, and the second is the intake manifold gas because they're real bad about leaking,
2: mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. pretty involved. That's one thing that's mentioned to me, but my dad's not really doing much work anymore, so I've been trying to learn as much as I can, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> this is one of those hard learning experiences. Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, it's, absolutely. it's a learning experience as long as you <laughs> learn something from it.
2: That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for uh, giving me a few pinpoint okay, uh, places to look at on that. Okay, you will, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: If you're only part of the Automotive I we would love to have you. Just give us a call. We'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. We hear folks like Clark a lot where they they want to do the right thing, and they're attempting to do the right thing. But without the knowledge The, the knowledge and the tooling to do it, you can spend a whole lot of money. And unfortunately, you change the fuel pump, you probably took out a better pump than you put back in.
1: Not to mention, you probably spend all day doing it. Right, right. You know, under on your back on the driveway, gas dripping in your face. Right is well, <laughs> but what happens is six right. miles down
0: the road, now it starts dying when you're going down the road sixty miles. And you can't figure that out, and you go spend a whole bunch of other money because you go to the fuel pump. But the fuel, fuel pump's, pump's bad, problem, right? right. That's why I say if you so got, without the
1: proper diagnosis is what you're saying. You're kind of just throwing parts at well, it.
0: Well, that's right. And there are times when maybe changing a part is the wise thing to do. Right. For instance, mm-hmm. if we have a misfire on our car and we look at the spark plugs and they're worn completely out and the plug wires are jumping fire, well, hey, yeah, it go ahead and that anyway. it. It needed it anyway. It may very well fix the problem. So you're not going to waste anything. Just
1: make sure you use a quality part quality doing part,
0: it. part, do that. And now if it's still missing, you can always take it to a shop and get it diagnosed. Right. So th- Even
1: if you want to change the parts yourself, right. get the diagnosis up front. That right. way you know, hey, this is where I'm at this is what needs to be done.
0: Right. But if you suspect something like a fuel pump, which is pretty expensive pretty involved pretty too. involved and the test is so inexpensive just bring it to a shop have them do a fuel pressure test to confirm your right. thoughts and they can tell you right there like i said 15, 20, 15 minutes. 20
1: minutes exactly
0: yeah well that's not the problem and you can save all that and move on to the next thing right so yeah there are times when it just pays you to go ahead and and pay well, for a professional opinion
1: like we have the vehicle speed sensors mm-hmm. on the dodge trucks right the sensor in the rear end was notorious for going out. Correct. It was cheaper to put a new sensor in right. it and drive it and see if it went away. Right. Then the test it took it, five minutes.
0: And if it didn't fix it, it was going to go bad anyway. Right. If it, if it wasn't fixed, it was going to fail anyway. And the part cost 15 bucks. It took five minutes to change it.
1: Right. You were out 20 bucks.
0: That's cheaper than checking it. Sure. It but, took you
1: a half hour, 45 minutes to check it.
0: Right. With a probably a 90% success rate on do it. Exactly. Chances like that, yeah, you want to do that. Right. But... Other things where it's going to be very involved to make the repair, you want to verify that is going oh, to be exactly. good before you go spend that money. Let's go back to our phone lines with Deborah. Good morning, Deborah.
4: Oh, good morning. How y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great ma'am. ma'am. Good. I own a 2000 Chevrolet Impala. Mm-hmm. The problem I'm having is my windshield wiper that's on the passenger side. Uh-huh. I try to put a screw on it to screw it to keep it coated it together. huh And it keeps coming a loose. Yes, ma'am.
0: What do you suggest? Well, there's a little part that comes out of the cow called a the wiper transmission and that's where your little bolt is that you're tightening down
2: yes sir that has
0: little splines in it and yes, those little sir. splines dig into the arm which is aluminum arm yes, sir. what happens once that bolt gets loose it strips all those little splines out of that arm and tightening it down will work for about an hour yes, and then sir. it slips back again Normally, you're going to have to take it back off, examine that little transmission. If all the little splines are good on the little transmission shaft, then change yes, the sir. wiper arm, and that'll fix it. But okay. what it does, it just wallows that little hole out. It does it so smoothly that it doesn't look like it's wallowed out. Yes, but it, it doesn't have splines in it any longer, so it can't hold, and just the force of the nut can't hold it tight enough.
4: Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, so and do you think I will be able to change it? I
0: think so. It's pretty easy. It's just that one bolt.
1: The arm should slide right off of yeah, it now if it's stripped out.
0: Slip right off, and then you just put the other one on. Make sure you line it up.
1: Turn the okay. wipers off.
0: Wipers off all the way down, park. and then put it on. Because sometimes people will put them up halfway, and then put the arm yeah. down, and when you turn it on, it, it goes flops around and breaks it again. <laughs> yes sir. Okay. okay.
4: Now would it be a good idea for me to change both of them?
0: Well, if the other one's okay, I wouldn't worry about no. it. What causes that is that nut does get loose and then when it gets loose a little shaft just kind of eats up the wiper arm.
1: What you could yes, do sir. is put a little Loctite on that bolt nut, now yeah. and it would it would stop it from backing off.
0: Right. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a chemical uh, called Loctite I'm sorry. <laughs> uh L O C T I T E. It's a it's okay. a it's just a chemical that keeps bolts from getting loose. Just put one little drop of it on that nut when you tighten it down. That'll keep it from backing off.
4: Oh, I tried that as well.
0: Yeah, well, once right, well, the damage is done, it's too late. Right. But on the other side, oh, you can do okay. it to prevent a problem.
2: Yes, sir.
1: And when you put okay. the new arm on, you can put some on the new nut to put it Correct. back down. It won't shouldn't happen yeah, again. Once that little
0: shaft yes. eats the arm up, then it's too late. There's no splines left to hold it tight.
4: Yes, sir. Okay, good. Alrighty. Well, thank you all so much. Thank, You're welcome. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: And we've got Sheila online. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning.
4: How are you today? Doing, Doing great, great, ma'am. I have a question about tires. Sure. I have P3570R16 Michelin Cross Terrains on my okay. Explorer. Uh huh. And I replaced two of the tires last year, not at one time. Okay. Now the two back tires
0: uh-huh.
4: are ready to be replaced. Uh-huh. So I went to a couple of places, and they're telling me that those tires are no longer being manufactured. Okay. That they were replaced with another.
0: Tire. Yes, ma'am. They all tire companies do that on a fairly regular basis. About every four years or so, they'll change their tread patterns. Mm-hmm. There will be comparable tires. For instance, there's the LTX M and S, which is completely compatible. It's the same exact body tread pattern; is slightly different. Has the same lettering on the sidewall and will look exactly the same and operate exactly the same. What that- about some tire called, uh The guy told me some touring tire with the replacement the latitude the new, touring the new touring yeah that's a little bit different looking tire it's it will work yes ma'am it'll work just fine with those it is completely compatible but it looks different
1: and i don't think it has a raised white letter
0: it may not i don't know the, the appearance is going to be a lot right. different from the ltx ms
3: or the cross terrain uh, or the
0: cross terrain okay.
4: i'm fumbling for a pin oh, okay so you can
0: Tell me the one that you recommend that looks almost the same. Well, the, the, see, the LTX is a series of tire. They okay. make a cross-terrain, they make an M&S, they make an AS, they make an AT. Okay. So any of those tires will be the same basic tire with just a different, different tread, tread pattern. pattern. Right. But the okay, sidewall right. and all will now, look the same. The lettering will be the same. The, cross, hey, the
1: cross-terrain has Michelin written twice on it, and the LTX has the LTX M&S written on it. Right. The so, AS and the AT... Don't have any white letters at all. Well, so you can get it in white can letters. Can you get it white? Some okay. Sizes. So, some sizes. Some you I can, know it's some real, real confusing.
0: Right. So the LTX. Train. Technically, any one of those tires will replace the cross train. Right. Oh, okay. And they'll operate perfect. You'll notice no difference in performance of the vehicle. How does that it's, affect the uh,
4: rotation of the
0: tires? It will it not, as long as you keep them the same side mm-hmm. to side. And There's the same front, sizes. Front to rear, yeah, same size. Front to rear will not matter. You couldn't put like a cross train on one side and a latitude on the other side. Oh, but front to rear won't matter. Okay. And the new tires that. should right. go on the back. You, know, you should take your back tires, move those to the front, put the new tires on the back.
1: The new tires are already on the front. Right. The tires you have now are already on the front of your vehicle?
0: The newer tires that I got last year are already on the front. Okay.
1: okay. See, take the back ones. You need to take the back ones off when you get new tires and okay. put the new tires back on the back of the vehicle. right? For the reason is, Michelin states that the newer tires should go on the rear- because they're the best tires, and that's where you have the least amount of control if something should happen.
0: Right. Oh, okay. If okay. you have,
1: if you have a blowout on the front, you still have some kind of control with the steering wheel. Right. On the back, mm-hmm. you have no control at all. Right. if and something if blows out. back
0: tire slips, you'll lose control of the vehicle right. real fast. All right. Well, thank you so much. All righty, ma'am. You. I hope we clarified it, son. <laughs> you
4: did. Thank, all right. Thank, thank you, ma'am. You. Yes, ma'am. Uh, bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. You're only part of the automotive. Right. We'd love to have you. We got Vivian online. Good morning, Vivian. Hi, Lewis.
4: I have a thousand seven Silverado truck. Oh, okay. okay, Has sensors on all four of the tires. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have one tire that it keeps telling me it either goes down to seven pounds of pressure when I'm driving, or it goes up to sixty-seven pounds of pressure when I'm driving. And we know the tire is good, but right. we we're wondering: right. do the sensors go bad?
0: Yes, Does ma'am. Yes, line
4: ma'am. from the sensor.
0: Now the, no. the sensors do go bad a fair amount. It's a little transmitter, basically, and it's sending a wireless signal up to a little receiver up on the dash, and they do go bad a fair amount. One thing that you could try, Vivian, just to make sure that it is a sensor and not the receiver is to go ahead and rotate that tire and see if the problem moves with the wheel tire. Okay. If it's saying, let's say, the left rear is low, put it on okay. the left front, and if it says left front's low now... Well, then it's that it's in that wheel. It's gonna be that sensor. If the okay. problem is still on left rear, then it's more likely the receiver on that channel is bad. Okay. Fairly easy to diagnose, and those little transmitters are kind of expensive. If I'm not mistaken, they're about a hundred and twenty-five dollars. You got to break the tire down. It's part of the valve stem. You replace it, and I think you have to reprogram it after you replace it.
1: You should still be under your warranty if you're not over your mileage, huh? How many um, miles that, you got? It-
4: uh, well, no, the no, warranty's gone. Oh, okay. I I to see
0: yeah, okay. If you're more than thirty-six thousand right. miles, you'd be out. I'm more than 36,000. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right.
1: Well, it was worth a shot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fairly easy fix. Little bit expensive, I guess. Those systems, in my opinion, are questionable in their worth and kind of expensive to maintain. But that's one of our politicians decided we had to have that, so it's on Thank there now. Thank you, Mr. Governor. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Big brother. <laughs> yeah.
4: All right. Well, thanks a lot. You're welcome, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
0: Remember, we're going to take one more quick little break. Sam, Quentin, Maria, hang on. You guys will be straight up after the break.
5: And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know?
0: Alphonse, my old truck
5: needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 3500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, i never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping. Which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance. And you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer.
0: And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife.
5: I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh?
0: Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you?
5: Learn more about the benefits of agco at agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O dot com. AgCo, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis and Mr. Brian Terry. We're just about out of time. But we're gonna catch as many of these calls as we possibly can. We got Sam online. Good morning, Sam. Yes, Lewis,
2: I've been
3: following the bankruptcy of General Motors and the reorganization, and I see that Chevrolet uh, brand is going to be maintained. But I don't hear anything about the Corvette, and I wondered if you knew whether the production of the Corvette is going to be— I would be be uh, extremely
0: surprised, Sam, if they did not hold on to the Corvette just because it's a moneymaker for them. It's never really given them a lot of trouble. As divisions go, they have probably less complaints, and they make more money off the Corvettes than they do just about everything else they sell. So I would be extremely surprised, unless the political pressure, hey, we don't need a performance car, we need to you know, That could happen, because now it's going to be government motors, basically. I don't think it's going to be a matter of economic if they axe the Corvette. It could be environmental constraints or something like that. We don't need a car that goes fast because people like it and people aren't supposed to be happy. They're supposed to be worried about the environment. Something like that, but I can't see them dropping it, not voluntarily. Well, very good. That's good information. All righty. Thank you, Hey, Sam. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Talk to Maria. Good morning, Maria.
4: Good morning. How are y'all? Doing great, ma'am. I have a 2003 Silverado 2500 Uh HD. Okay. And I recently got all four tires replaced. Okay. And when I went to the place, they were telling me that they put 80 pounds in the rear and 50 pounds of pressure in the front. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I looked at them. I was like, I have never heard of that before. And they were talking that that's what the manufacturer recommends and because of the towing capacity have y'all heard anything about that well you, you
0: can easily look in right. your owner's manual and it will tell you what the recommended pressure is
1: look on the driver's door also yeah
0: driver's door may Auto have door a, post. a little placard on listed also 80 pounds is going to be the maximum pressure when you're towing now i'm right. not sure you have to carry that much air all the time some of the newer vehicles do have a fairly high rating on the rear tires But you can just look at your door placard, and it will tell you. That's a, what year model?
4: 2003.
0: Oh three. Well, you probably don't have a tire pressure monitoring system on that, so you really don't have to worry. See, if you're not carrying a load, you can bring that pressure down probably closer to 60 to 65, get a better ride, and still be fine. That will support the weight of the truck just fine. Now, if you do put the load capacity that the truck is capable of hauling, then you would have to go back up to the higher pressure
4: even a 30 pounds
0: difference front and rear is, is front to rear problem. is not too big of an issue because the rear is carrying the weight when you really load it and the front is not the front weight is going to remain constant and if 65 pounds will hold the front up then that's the amount of air the tire actually needs okay. you see and the additional air pressure is just to support the load that you might put in the rear because it is a 2500 hd if you hook a gooseneck trailer back there that has a two thousand pound tongue weight, they want to make sure you got enough air in those tires to support that load.
4: Right, and it's just, but, it just for a bit because of tire wear and and all that kind of stuff we were concerned with. And like, Thirty pounds is a big difference.
0: Yeah, what I would do on truck tires are totally different from car tires. Car tires are easy; you go about ten percent under the maximum and you're good. But truck tires are different because they're rated for load, and when they're unloaded, they don't need that much pressure. So I would probably start out around 60 to 65 pounds all around and watch my tires. If they start to wear on the shoulders, they come up a little bit. If they don't, I would probably run them around there. Okay. All righty.
4: Well, great. Thank you. Yes, ma'am.
0: Thank you. Remember, I think we got time for one last call. We got Quentin on the line. Good morning, Quentin.
4: Hey. Good morning. Happy Saturday to you. Thanks, sir. Thank you.
2: Quick question for you. 04 Taurus. Mm-hmm. I've had the codes pulled off of it when the engine light comes on. Uh-huh. It says misfire. In cylinder one. Okay. I've had the plugs and wires replaced, fuel filter, air filter, and so forth. It'll run great for a few days. Then I, I get an intermittent miss uh, on occasion when I first started up. Okay. It says below 1,000 RPMs is when the miss occurs.
0: Yeah, at that low of an RPM, I doubt it would be a plug or wire. That's more likely going to be something like an injector, Quentin. And oh, the <laughs> way I would go about diagnosing that. Number one, well, if you had some instrumentation, you could see which cylinder is leaning out because it's probably leaning out. But with no instrumentation, probably the easiest thing to do is take the injector out of, say, cylinder number one, uh-huh. swap it with the one in number two because they're identical. Just okay. take number one and put it in number two, put number two in number one, and see if the misfire moves. Okay. And if the misfire goes to cylinder number two, then that then I'd replace the injector. Any number okay,
2: it would, you wouldn't think the coil would have anything to do with it, huh? Do Does that same. have
0: individual coil packs or one big coil?
2: This particular one has one big coil yeah. on the front of the engine. See,
0: one big call would not miss on a single cylinder. It would oh, miss okay. on at least three cylinders.
2: I got you, because some of these have the coil on each plug. right, Right, and on
0: that case, it could be a possibility. So, hey, sorry we're just totally out of time. If I didn't answer it fully, just go ahead and hit me with an email, and I'll get you a little bit more answer. Hey, I appreciate everybody listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.